Welcome to Adequate, the Sunday Company After Show, live from the Regal Beagle. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode eight of Adequate, the Sunco After Show. I am Christian Xavier, and to my right, I have Mr. Daniel Leon Redman. And to his right, we have Mr. Steve Bushka. Is there J? Would it be Stephen J. Bushka? Is it would there... be Stephen Null Bushka. That's there's, right. We covered that. There's today. no middle name. You don't have a middle name. I do not have a middle I, name. Do you feel deprived? Uh, it sometimes makes filling out forms online a little difficult if they require a middle initial. But the thing is, we know that you're never going to be an assassin. Because, well, a lone shooter. Because they always have three names: Lee Harvey Oswald, I sure hope John Wilkes Booth. Stephen Noel Bushka that just doesn't it's, sound like an assassin. You're not supposed to say the Noel. It's just that's how you represent a non-value verbally, which I guess you would say it then. If it was in a database, it'd be Noel. So this is a so, so basically what we're saying is Steve is now a null factor. I don't like Steve's attitude very much, so I'm going to go through the set list. All right, let's go ahead and do that. We I, s- I love you, Dan. <laughs> so tonight we start with, of course, uh, the one and only TTOFS. Um, and then we went into Deck of Fate, Sing It, Crime Story, Gibberish. Is that Gibberish Replay? Yep. Blind Line, I Object, Taj, and close out with Hey Waiter. Any big uh, conceptual takeaways for you guys tonight? Uh, overall, um, I think it was the second time we've been faded with questions in Deck of Fate, which is definitely uh, statistically anomalous, but can be interesting and fun. I thought the Gibberish Replay was a fun game. We haven't done that in a while, as far as I know. And I think it actually went really well for a game that we should have probably been rusty on. I think it was actually extremely accurate for how it's supposed to be played. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to say something. You guys may or may not agree. I think tonight was the world's okayest show. Uh, I will say that um, I was not giggling my butt off. Uh, I was also not paying that much attention, so okay sounds fine by me. Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple high moments. There were no, like, real barn burners tonight. We didn't screw up too bad. Um, I think as we compare it to last week where we really did struggle a lot, I think we definitely made some progress in in the listening aspects of everything, although we still had a couple of stumbles uh, in today's show. Did you see anything that carried over in either way from last week, either positive or negative? You guys were both in or at the show last week. Uh, um, you know, I, I think speaking as, I think Colby and I were the, maybe, I think it was Corey we in last week. Me and Colby were definitely in both shows. I think Corey might have been. And I think the two or three of us focused more on just having fun and not being in our heads a little bit. And so, you know, you guys say the show maybe wasn't great. I had a blast doing it. And if I can walk away from a show saying I had a good time, I feel like usually that translates somewhat well. Where, you know, if we're having a good time, then cool. The audience is probably enjoying it on some level. It may not be the funniest thing, uh, like an Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, Tracy Morgan set. Yeah. But, you know, it's, I think as long as someone walks in and said, I enjoyed it, like, cool. And, and like we said last week on the podcast, Steve, it's very much the whole taking the audience on that trip with us. And I think tonight it was definitely a lot more of that than, than we did last week. Because last week it was a struggle. I think tonight it, you guys actually started to pull that back in. That's true. It was kind of like a slow burner tonight. Like, I felt like uh, it took us a little bit to earn the trust of the audience. It was kind of a slow build uh, through the first 
a few games, but I think we gained momentum and started to get a little bit more comfortable as the show went on, and it, it, it felt that way. I think what helped is that we didn't really have any weak spots. Like, there were no points in the show where we really kind of lost them and had to build back up. There was a yeah. consistent upward momentum. Yeah. The only thing that I did notice was there was a lot of players exiting, players exiting, players exiting. I think there was three or four exit games today. So we, had, oh. we had Gibberish, we had uh, Crime Story, Blind Line, Blind Line. Yeah. So, and some of them were back-to-back. Actually, yeah, they, it, was back to, it was Crime Story, then Gibberish, then Blind Line, so it was three in a row. Right, so to me that kind of feels like it might slow the show down a little bit, take away from that energy, but I think Adam was actually doing a phenomenal job in keeping that audience motivated throughout those transitions and getting and cheering. Yeah, and that's an interesting point. So uh, we, we kind of were, we were talking about that a little bit in notes, uh, how the pacing felt. And to us, being on stage, it felt slow early, fast late. Like we had... I feel like at the end it was a little bit choppy. Yep. And I think part of that was, at least in the montage, we were wiping scenes too early. And I think we maybe were a little skittish from last week or just nervous. Um, but I felt like we bailed on some scenes that actually could have gone to a, a number of good places. Well, let's talk about those places. Let's let's see if we can think of some additional premises or spin-offs from some of the scenes that we started tonight. Let's just kind of spitball it a little bit. So let's let's talk about your scene, Steve, with uh, the picnic, which I want to talk about because it's funny that you came out with no premise. You just decided to plant yourself on stage and have a self-picnic. Yeah, I felt like the scene before had kind of hit its peak and it was time to wipe it, but I had, I had nothing. So I went out and I was like, all right, you know, I've got a picnic basket. I'm kind of a happy-go-lucky guy. Let me just open up my basket. And then I decided that I was going to have a kind of a lame sandwich. <laughs> and so as I started pulling out the sandwich, and it's funny how the, the pantomime that I was doing, the scene work, actually led to me building my own character. Um, and then Colby walked on and I kind of put on this like slightly meager, meek voice kind of overly excited that Janet finally came. So, and from, yeah. so I, I didn't want to take away from what you're talking about, but I wanted to bring out and the fact that the audience bought into the pantomime 100%. They were laughing along, they were enjoying themselves, and they were really just following you through that experience as you were sitting there without a single line being said. It's a good point, actually. There was no tension... Uh, and, and I think that um, we could have even, even dwelled in that space for a little bit longer, left you out there a little bit longer, and even built a little bit more anxiety, you know, and, and because you were, you were carrying it fine. People were interested in seeing your scene work, your space work. Well, um, I think what's cool about that one that works well is that you get so much nonverbal communication of the character. Um, just to, off the top of my head right now, like what, what I could have done if no one came out, maybe I pull out a, a juice box and then I start trying to stab the little straw in there and all of a sudden like I'm this person who's clearly an adult because I'm all alone but I'm trying to open my Capri Sun or my Juicy Juice or something and every time I pull something out of the basket it identifies more about who my character is. And the other, the other thing that I want to point out for that whole thing was you took a risk. You went out there by yourself, you took a risk, you didn't have a premise necessarily going in there and that's one of the other things about improv is sometimes it's about the risk. It, it's a good point, and and we actually Steve and I were talking about this a little bit. Uh, it's a good teammate move, like to. It, it's not falling on your sword to to wipe, not think of a premise, but you're making the right move as a teammate to edit at that time. Uh, and 
the, the discussion that we were having and something that was kind of a note, uh, in, in, you know, after the show tonight, and maybe I'll ask you, Christian, as well, what do you feel about, or how do you feel about um, people you're in a scene with that take jokes and take punchlines? Does it, do you feel like it derails the scene? It's and important so, to keep the energy with the audience? I, I've got a question about what, what you're trying to say with that in terms of take jokes or take punchlines. What do you mean? Are they jumping in there and knowing what your joke is and then stealing it no, from you? Or? No, no, no. Making okay. a joke that maybe is slightly relevant to the scene. Okay. It's relevant to the scene. Doesn't yes, doesn't yes and, but it gets a laugh. It's, big, it's a big moment. It's maybe not the best improv, but it's a funny moment. How much? How much so sacrifice? You I know think what I, mean? I think that sort of sacrifice can do one of two things. Either the scene is very slow and low energy and needs a big laugh, just so you can wipe it. At that point, it makes sense. Yeah. On the other hand, if all you're doing is going in there just to play the joke, then you're basically robbing the audience of an actual scene experience which does not allow for development of arcs for the characters and building that relationship and taking the audience on a story or on a journey, which is, even though it's short-form comedy with a you know, a premise and a gimmick, we still want to do something like that, right? And I guess it's kind of a gray area, right? It is. You want to be entertaining, you want to be funny, you also want to do good improv, and we have to find the balance of that. Absolutely. It could also depend on the scene, because there are certain scenes that seem to be leading up to an obvious joke, and if you go to the obvious joke, the scene's over. But if you can resist the temptation to go for the joke, then you may end up actually finding a scene with legs. And I think there's always this kind of do-or-die kind of time frame in a scene where it can go either way. Yeah. You know, there's almost always a joke, but then if you can kind of resist that, then you go, okay, let's actually build something here. Yeah. And I think building a scene, it goes right back to what we were talking about last week, Steve, about building a scene with relationships, how we are, who we are to each other, where we are, and really establishing an entire storyline with legs that can stand on its own, independent of the joke or the one-liner. And I think it's something that, Dan, you and I have spoken about on this podcast a couple of times as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I think we should do now? This will be a little bit unprecedented for us. But why don't we throw ourselves out there? Because, hey, we're improvisers at the end of the day, right? Sure, let's do it. Why don't we restart the scene with Steve and the picnic and pick it up? And Christian, you and I will play second and third characters. Okay. And we'll improvise uh, that scene as, as it left off there. So we're just going to... So I'm going to be quiet for 30 seconds while I'm the, <laughs> You're going to have to do some space work. sandwich in the world. <laughs> I could, I could narrate my space <laughs> Give us some no, Well, we could, have, we could have a narrator. Steve comes on stage. I'm walking through down. a meadow, trying to find a nice tuft of grass to plant myself on, holding a beautiful wicker picnic basket. Inside the basket, there's a little uh, red and white checkered blanket, and I got some sandwiches. No, no, Kendra, don't, don't, don't open that picnic basket. Oh, Please. I've got someone with me now. Hey, why, why shouldn't I open the picnic basket? Listen, Kendra, I give you very specific information that if you're going to use my things, you need to ask me first. I'm doing major scientific research in the garage. I, you left it on my side of the garage. I don't see what's left. It's next to my Zumba tapes and my squeezy wrist forearm exercises. I thought it was something I could borrow Kendra, for a weekend. Kendra, listen, you can do whatever you want. 
But let me tell you something. What I'm doing on my side of the garage needs to stay on my side of the garage, even if it looks like it can hold a delicious sandwich. Are you worried? Uh, Mom! You you brought our child. You brought our daughter here with us. Uh, Susie, I'm sorry you got dragged into this. Damn it, Mom. I just wanted my own sandwich today. Maybe I just want to know what your dad's hiding in the in the picnic uh, basket. Fine. Uh, Kendra, open the damn picnic basket. There you go. Well, so here you go. I have... It's it, I have, it's a love letter to me? Yeah, yeah. I, you were you were planning on taking us on a date? I, I, yeah. oh God, honey, that was our first date. I uh, I ruined the surprise, didn't I? You, you ruined everything. I, I mean, here, listen. Let, let me pull the letter out here. Underneath there is a really advanced orgasmatron that I had, I had built. This, this single device will bring you so much pleasure, even when I'm on my traveling. You'd have to simply insert it. Ew, Dad, oh, ew! Susie, listen, cover your ears, all right? I don't right? know what to say. I, I mean, you know, we've been a little distant since Susie was born, but this is one of the sweetest... Susie, keep, keep your hands on your ears, Susie. This is one of the sweetest things you've ever done for me. A love letter and a gift for me to remember you by when you're working. Honey, listen, it's just... We've, we've been lacking a little bit in our, our relationship, and I just... I think that we need to get things back on track, and I read in... <laughs> A T. Harv Ecker book that if I can please you and, and meet your womanly desires, then, you know, we can we can rebuild this thing. I'll be honest. I I was kind of hoping you'd find me out here with the picnic basket. I There's a reason I left my phone out there with the text of Jennifer saying I was going out for a picnic. I was, I was kind of hoping that we could have a romantic picnic together. And can I uncover my ears yet? Shut up, Susie. Oh, Susie, shut up. Seriously. The, Honestly, Jim, this is the reason why our relationship is struggling right now. It's, it's, it's Susie. Yeah, uh, we need we need to find a solution. Uh, put put uh, ears earmuffs again. We need we need to find a solution for this kid. It's, <sighs> she's just constantly tagging along. She needs to be fed three times a day. I maybe we weren't cut out to be parents. I mean, we had a lot of fun together. And you know, Susie's twelve now, and I, maybe it's time Susie. Moves out on her own. Cut scene. <laughs> I think that's it, right? <laughs> and scene. Yeah, Sorry, that's where Susan. we. Uh, that's where we wipe. Yeah. Uh, that's a radically different approach than the original picnic basket scene. Yeah, that was uh, almost scary. Yeah, no, it's another. You're, you're right. Um, and again, I I had no idea, so I walked out and I decided I was holding a picnic basket. And whatever, I trust our team. Someone yeah. was going to come out and just yes and it in some way. And, you know, I don't necessarily have to have an idea. Someone's going to throw out something and we'll bat it around and come up with something. Yeah, and that's... And, and that's, that's... That's definitely something that, uh, that we like to work on with each other as a team, is building up the, uh, the entire structure. Uh, so we have now been joined by the amazing... The talented, the always awesome Sarah tends to be right. How's it going, Sarah? It's good. It's because your last name is right. My last name's right. It's awesome. Things are things are going right right now. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear. I'm sorry. So, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask, how do you think the show went tonight? How do you feel about it? I feel like the show went pretty well. Uh, I haven't been in a show in a while, so I felt a little, little rough around the edges, but I had fun. You Good. know? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you knocked out the park that freaking sing it tonight. Oh, it was good. thank you. Sir, thank God you carried the sing it. Because <laughs> we just left you on your own in that third song. And we're like, yep, she's got it. I'm just going to dance over here. I'm going to let her just take this one and run with it. Nope, don't look at me. I'm going to let you sing this one. <laughs> it was fun. I really liked I used to. I used to shy away from sing it. But then I realized I really like singing. And, and you're good at it. Because oh, I love singing, you. but I suck. So okay. it's very different. <laughs> this as a team, actually. And I, you know, I think you've been one of the people that are pushing this. More people are signing up for Sing It like more aggressively. Like it's usually one of the first games that gets filled up. Now. Right. Most and back in the day, it was like no, like don't make me do Sing It. But now it's like I think everybody just wants to challenge themselves. And I feel like that's a, a game that I've done so sparingly that every time I do it, I feel like I'm like growing. You know, yeah. it's important to keep growing. What games do you feel like are a challenge for you that you see on the board and you kind of shy away from? Or you feel like you need more practice? Or is there anything that you see that that you kind of do move away from? I feel like it is common knowledge that uh, my pop culture knowledge and sports knowledge is to be admired or not admired, whatever. Um, so, I don't know. I think my strengths are obviously like characters and accents and things like that. So, I like really high energy type things. So, you know, doing crime story tonight was like, again, just an opportunity to be like, okay, my thing is like my favorite game ever is Blind Line. I still wanted to play Blind Line, but it was not available. But still doing something like crime story, it's just important to like be stretching different types of muscles instead of just what you're good at. So, it's challenging yourself at the same time right. as being able to perform a scene and learning where the opportunities for growth are. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. And I think that um, like th- those are just like belief systems about what we're good at and what we're not good at that can be changed. You know, I don't I don't think that I don't know. You're right, it is about the confidence level that we have in certain things, but you bring up a good point about pop culture references. That's not something you can just overnight fix or have confidence in. It's it's legitimately learning. No, I have watching, the confidence. Reading. I just don't I just, <laughs> just don't, don't have the knowledge to back like it up. You're currently so like you're you're obviously cognizant of that. Yes. Do you find yourself now like picking up a TMZ article here and there? No, well I I know what, like, people think I'm not going to get, like, um... Benedict Cumberbatch. Benedict Cumberbatch. I mean, I know who that is. Or even, like, I know that you guys are all super into, um... No, I can't think of it. NSYNC. <laughs> Backstreet Boys. With the, to- with the tortoise, not the tortoise. The- tortoise in the hair? Yeah. Aesop's Fables. No, 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 never mind, never mind. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, the thing, um, Doctor Who. You guys are all yes. super into Doctor oh, Who. Oh, Tardis. 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 <laughs> I've, I've never actually seen an episode. I tried to watch it. I really did try, and I really couldn't. What did you which, get out of it? Which one? It was the first episode of, of which the, doctor? Um, the one that's on Netflix. Okay. And I just, I there, just is it the Christmas episode? I literally couldn't tell you. I really did try. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be an improv nerd. I'm going to be accepted by like the nerds on the team. And then I just got so we We accept you anyway. Aww. You've actually seen more Doctor Who episodes than I have. Really? Yeah. 
I've never. I'm surprised by that. Steve, Steve. you need to watch more Doctor Who episodes. If you insist, uh, I'm probably not going to. Okay. I, I will. I'll Wikipedia the show. And probably maybe just carry on living it. my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you know that the show's British, which is uh, right where I am. Yeah. It is, in fact, a British show, and we are now in the 13th Doctor, who is technically also the 14th Doctor, or the 15th. Uh, I'm lost. Hey, that's another show. (laughs) Lost is another show. Did you ever watch Lost, Sarah? I actually watched Lost recently. Really? I think Sarah has more pop culture experience. Wow. Then how the hell are you on this team, Steve? Uh, Well, I I signed up, and then I auditioned. uh, You were here back when there were auditions? Before they just pulled people up? Yeah. Nice. Do you guys remember your auditions at all? Oh, my God, I do, yeah. My um, audition was with Colby. Colby and I came up at the same time together. I and remember I think that. I, I think the only reason they let me on the team is because we had to space work getting into a car, and I closed the door after me, and nobody else had done that. <laughs> so I think the Everyone car else was, was riding low. in those Jeeps without doors. Yeah, like jumping in. <laughs> and Amaya, so I auditioned actually a number of different times, and I got I finally got in. It was awesome. Uh, but I think after talking with Chris Daly, one of the things that did it for me is uh, pan left, pan right. And I had long hair at the time, and I was uh, I was across this guy named Eric Duggan who was also uh, auditioning. He didn't get in. He actually lives in LA now. But basically, he donned me or whatever you want to call it. He he called me Wendy of Peter Pan. So immediately, I take down my ponytail and I got my hair out. And then after that. I would switch back to the next scene, put the ponytail back up, and then continue going with the next scene or whatever. And as soon as we got right back to that Wendy and Peter Pan scene, hair went right back down, reestablishing that character trait, the characteristics, the fact that, you know, traditionally women have longer hair, and that's kind of where that was playing. And I think what Chris Daly told me was, like, that's one of the things that stood out the most for mine. Interesting. Yeah. I certainly like playing with my hair. It's like a a prop. Yeah, and you use that prop very wisely today in the sorority girl scene. Which apparently we were um, doing Tim impressions, which I wasn't doing on purpose, but I am honored. I'm honored. Except Tim doesn't have that prop. What? Tim doesn't have the prop. Yeah. Yeah, no, he doesn't. That's why it's funny when he like space works hair. Steve, I actually remember something from your audition. I was in the same audition, but I did nothing memorable. I did not get called up. But I remember you being in a scene with Andrea, and you guys built a snowman, and I was really impressed by it. I was like, wow, they just built a snowman on stage. And you put the carrot, obviously, in the wrong place, and that was a funny... Oh, I bet I know where he put it. It made it an arm. Do you remember that? <laughs> uh, I don't remember that at all. Really? It's funny that I... That that's the thing I remember from that audition. All I remember from auditions is anytime somebody would play Emotional Symphony, there'd just be a cacophony of people shouting and screaming over each other. Just be like, like a fat anchorman. He'd like, I'm so angry right now. Now I'm all happy. And it was just like a complete disaster. Yes, welcome to auditions at NCT. Yeah. But the audition process has changed, and if I remember correctly, we just did uh, college team editions uh, recently, or about to. College team auditions were today. Were today. Well, we did those today. And then we do house team auditions for the house teams, which now I think 
think they have about 30 people. I think it's four teams with about seven or eight each. Nice, nice. So it's a pretty stacked uh, farm system. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I've not been... Sorry, Corey was screaming in the background. Now we've got his voice. That was Corey, everybody. Thank you, Corey, yes. Can I squeeze in here? Are we doing this? Oh, oh. everybody get cozy. It's five of us at the booth now. So what's up, everybody? And now it's six because Colby has joined Corey and sitting on his lap. My Twizzler's in Colby right now. This is the second lap that Colby sat in tonight, by the way. It's not going to be the last. See you guys later. (laughs) See ya. Yeah, wait, when did he sit in Sarah? He sat on Jen's lap. Jen's lap, and then he was pulled over by a police officer. Who was played by Steve Buscemi. Uh, (laughs) Interesting fact about that character is that Colby's character was actually the mom, and Steve came in and noticed that it was the bearded lady and was able to say, Sir... During that, you are correct, and uh, yep, she had a beard. And that's another exercise in listening. Yeah. It's one of the things that, like in last week, we talked about. Today, we've talked about a couple of times. Listening is very important in all of our comedy and scene work. Yeah, no, that was a good point. That's something that I, I didn't even realize until now, actually, and, and no one had to call it out, but. Right, I uh, assumed it was a, a guy because Colby is a guy. Yeah. Um, and I was so focused on the I'm gonna pull him over. That's the joke where I kind of undermined the scene probably a little bit. No, I think you did. You did all right. It wasn't anything bad. So at the table, we now have one of our latest jumps up to the main stage. How is it going, Ms. Hartle, Elise? It's going well. <laughs> And she's giggling already. This is great. So, how do you feel about the show tonight? It was really fun. It was super fun. Good. I really enjoyed it. I was like, I was thinking like maybe some of the audience. Um, it was their it was their first time maybe at a show. There was a guy in a green shirt who was annoying and heckling us the entire time. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was. Oh, in a Massimo Target yeah. green shirt. Yeah. No, it's not not Massimo. That's that's a great brand. I am okay. currently wearing Massimo. So let's listen. Let's let's uh, address the 800-pound gorilla in the room here, uh, Lisa. Uh, we are super sad, but also thankful to see you getting pulled up because you're one of you're one of the team. One of, one of us. The crew. One of us. Well, not anymore. And you're gonna and you're gonna oh. represent us. Oh, well, you're gonna represent as well. Thank you. It's so, Sunco for life. For life. I have to ask, what uh, on a serious note, what things oh. are you looking forward to? Like, for, what skills oh. are you further looking to develop as a main stage player? Gosh, um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, and, and, you know, obviously what will be uh, something that you'll be uh, grateful for in your experience and what things have you really oh grown gosh. from with your experience on Sunset? Big one. Hit you, hit you oh with a big one. She's taking a purse off her shoulder. <laughs> and by the way, the guy in the green shirt was uh, Elisa's husband. Oh, yeah. Just to, Not that we're heckling just to clarify, that is my husband, Patrick. Who, who was also on got as bumped well. up to main stage yeah, in the last year. Ago. year. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Sunco has legitimately, I told Matt this, it's legitimately probably been like one of the highlights of my life 
Like it's been Whoa Yeah I know that's, Heavy that's, it's, it's Jackson You said you wanted to get serious Dan okay Can you handle it or not so I don't regret that question I don't regret it at all So the order of impact Is Jackson Patrick <laughs> Sunco I mean, I don't like to rank things, but <laughs> And then the time she found a $20 bill at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, in my pocket of my jeans, I found a dollar once, and it was pretty exciting. But, um, no, it's just been the best experience ever, and the people are the reason why, I think. And Matt, Matt's just the best director, and I've become good friends with him, which has been great. And I just think, I don't know, I just love everybody so much, and I'm kind of sad. Compare, um, first day of... Uh, First show at yeah. Sunco, Elisa, yeah. to today, Elisa. What, what oh. do you think has changed in the way you perform? Ooh, that's a great question. I remember my first show in Sunco. It was the all-girls show. It was the first all-girls show. And it was... Um, it was actually so much freaking fun, um, but I was really nervous. I was so nervous, and I remember I kind of leaned on like the more senior member members of the team a lot, like to initiate scenes. Like I leaned on Jessica and Christine and Melissa at the time were on the team, and I kind of I remember just being a little bit scared and kind of <laughs> relying on them and trying not to pee my pants. Um, but that. That show was so much fun that I think um, from there I got less nervous, you know, and it's been interesting to see the team fluctuate. We went from a huge team to a tiny team to a huge team again, you know. We were like eight people at some point. We, we were. Yeah. Literally everyone on the team had to work every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, do you, do you feel, how do you feel like the quality of the shows were in that period of time? Because I know, like, even talking to Steve, if you said that you guys were, felt kind of run down from those shows. I felt some burnout, personally. Do you feel At like that the, time? the quality of the show was oh. much lower than it is now, or about the same? Or Oh, yeah, when we had a small team, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. I think we were all kind of feeling that, that we were performing, like, every... Every weekend, and um, but it was, and then it was the transition when we had more people on the team because at practices we were kind of like, oh wait, we don't we don't have as many like repetitions, you know what I mean? But I think anytime there are new people on the team, it just like freshens things up yes. a little bit, and it's always positive. I know, yeah. And my I think my attitude going into it is just gonna be like. A little bit different than when I started Sunco. Because when I started Sunco, I was a little hesitant and a little nervous. Like, felt a little bit like, oh no, you know, like, I don't want to do anything wrong kind of thing. Because there were people on the team I thought were just, like, so good. And I just, like, was really scared to screw up, you know. And so I think I'm just going to try to go into it differently and just be, like, fail big so that I can learn. You know. And that ties into what we were talking about a little earlier today. Today, sorry, it's about taking risks, and it sounds like you're already in the mindset that you're gonna be taking risks. Yeah. Good. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm gonna That's force awesome. myself too, and awesome. it's gonna be really scary, but I'm gonna make myself do it. I'm gonna go on a limb and say maybe that's like one big thing that you've learned from Sunco. Yes. That 
you can because that to me like I, I totally get that like I, I understand that mindset that you have yeah and I felt this I was terrified right. on the first right? three months on I know. Sunco I, I was felt so like intimidated a shell of myself like yeah. um, I know. so I get that that that's an interesting point I hope we didn't make you feel that way <laughs> no <laughs> no, I'm no, 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 no I I still strive to make him feel that way. It's just, <laughs> yeah. Dan, you're not part of the team, man. I don't know why you feel so comfortable now. I mean, now I can you, talk about my boners and my poops, and like I feel totally comfortable. Oh I, yeah, I because you've always been reluctant to talk about those things. In the past. Yeah, especially around the ladies. Thank yeah. you, Lisa. No problem. Uh, <laughs> I, I think you're 100% right. Just learn to take risks for yeah. sure. And I think it's gonna be a little. Hopefully, it's a little easier for you to transition because you you know a good amount of people on main stage. Yeah. You've got kind of a, a mentor slash welcome tour guide and your husband. So and, very and true. you have experience playing with a lot of the people on main stage too because either the the groups like uh, Odd Mad Out or things along those lines or even just Sunco experience because right. of the amount of people that have made it from Sunco up to main stage. Sure. Or Thursday nights on our couch uh, having a couple beers with Patrick. <laughs> that's probably that's that's probably where she you know she gets to improv quite a bit. That's true. <laughs> yes, we do tend to do that to a weird level. My mom's like, yeah, it's so fun being around you guys. You're always on. <laughs> Love it so much. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a, it's nice to have had experience like playing and like mashups. Awesome for that, yeah. you know, to get to know everybody. How much gravity do you think uh, Matt's note in uh, in notes today, note, his note note, uh, about learning the main stage players and having exposure to them, how much gravity do you think that really has for us, you know? Uh, well, um, when Patrick got pulled up about a year ago and I started going to main stage shows, <laughs> prior to that I hadn't been really good. Um, so I had a reason to start going and I was like, oh. We should all I think I told kind of everybody I was like I think we should all start going to shows because they were uh, just uh, the format was a lot different from ours and the games that they were playing now we're starting like Suncoast starting to practice more of the main stage games like Schoolyard Insults and stuff like that five things stuff with gibberish and, and it's something that Matt consistently tells us we need to practice this because at some point most of you will go to main stage right. and if you don't know how to play these games I didn't do my job right because by the time you get there it's assumed that you know or assume that you're ready for those specific games and I think that definitely lends one to the I don't want to say credibility to the to the skill set that we have in our own game sets but also in the ability to grow further like exactly everything you learned and are ready to take risks on moving forward so yeah it's gonna be great wish me luck guys. you are gonna do amazing you don't need luck. You've got the skill to back it up. And what you have your homies. You have your Sunday homies like pulling yeah. for you. Thank right. you. Thank you. Right. I can't wait till it's all of us. Hell yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'll save my yellow tie in case they send me back, too. They're not going to send you back. <laughs> but anyways, so that was, uh, that was a great conversation, Lisa. Thank you very much for stopping in. No problem. That will be the wrap-up for the Sunco Show. Thanks again to Lisa for coming in. Sarah, uh, Colby, Corey, everyone who jumped in, sat down for a minute. Uh, this has been Christian with Dan. Go ahead, Dan. Give your outro. Daniel. Yeah. <laughs>
as well as Steve. Daniel. <laughs> at least is still at the table. Damn, Daniel. And me, Christian. Daniel. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, hopefully you can join us again next week. And we'll uh, see you all there. Okay. Enjoy your Sunday. Bye. This has been Adequate, the Sunday Company After Show, live from the Regal Beagle. Thanks for listening.